Welcome to Mummy and Daddy, the podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting can be scary. And children are definitely creepy. (gasps) Oh, children are so creepy. So creepy. Mate, every single thing you see here today, myself and my mum and dad built from the ground up. Hi. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it didn't work as well as I wanted it to. What? That particular. This is for the Commonwealth of Australia. Oh. <laughs> All about the Babadook today. Yes, the Babadook Duke Duke 2014. That's our movie to continue Spooktoberfest. Oh, what a year. What a month. Oh, my God. (laughs) What a crazy. Ah, boy. The intervening three weeks. Do you think if Trump dies of COVID that he'll come back as a zombie and that is how the zombie apocalypse will start? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because he took this, he took this like, this Regeneron thing, and I was like, "Oh, so he's Perfect. gonna be a zombie dictator forever." So, okay, glad Is we're on the same page. Yep. They got half a billion dollars from the federal government to make this secret serum. He's like the only person. They say it's in human trials, but we know that's not true. Well, they're not or human the anymore. <laughs> oh my god! What a month is right. Um, yeah, since the last time we recorded. Oh uh, my gosh, yes. We lost RBG. Rest in power. We did. I I saw a tweet that was like, well, looks like Ruth Bader Ginsburg just uh, successfully argued her first case before God. I, I saw the question just posed, is she a Dybbuk? Like, is she now a witch? Oh. Is she- <laughs> I forget what it was. Yeah, so um so Trump and a lot of the Republicans have COVID. The Republican party itself. Yeah, no. it's unreal. It's Just amazing. a lot of people. That part's been so it's been a roller coaster. Yeah. Of emotions. The debate, all that stuff. Yeah. Wildfires continuing here in Southern California. At the time, they were really raging. Then they kind of died down. Everything was, air quality was improving. Mm -hmm. They're back. They're back. In our area, at least. Yeah. Um, You went away. That's right. I did for a week. Mm -hmm. Yep. Went to go visit some family. Yep. I was here with Woo and Boo by myself for eight days. Um, Who's counting? And uh, (laughs) Some say a week, some say eight days. We will talk about that and um and the kids are going back to school tomorrow as of this recording. That's so right. So by the time this airs they will be back at school for 3 hours a day, school being preschool, but we're just You ex- started work again. And I started a job. I did. And that's been interesting. Um 
what I've learned, I guess, is like every shoot is different in its own way, just like normal. But with COVID stuff, it's like some, and I think a lot of jobs, a lot of shoots, you do rapid testing every morning when you're on the shoot. But I'm doing a Verizon commercial and the client is mandating that we do PCR testing every 72 hours. So it's like this whole other thing. And so it's just become like another facet of my job that is, I'm sure, just going to be different all the time and changing even on this job, you know? You're going to become an expert in different testing styles and their efficacy. That's like the craziest piece of that to me. I've learned so much in the last 72 hours with uh, Trump's diagnosis, finding out that like they don't do PCR testing in the White House, they've been doing a lot of this rapid testing, which is why. Why? Why would you just not? Because they think it's bullshit to begin Yeah, right, right, right. I, it's just, that's, I didn't know that. I, <laughs> yeah, oh my I think God. that's what I heard from NPR. I, Someone feel free to fact check me there. I have had so many moments in the last week of picking up my phone, looking at the New York Times and then getting th- three three or four articles in like or even headlines and having to put my phone down and just be like I, I just can't I can't handle this right now like it's uh yeah it's interesting times truly also fact check myself a dibic not a witch, of course, because why would RBG, now deceased, have turned into a witch? I don't know. I was just going with it. I didn't know what you're talking about. From Jewish folklore, a malevolent wandering spirit that enters and possesses the body of a living person until exercised. Huh. Exorcised. Not her workout routine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's cool. First Jewish Supreme Court justice becomes Dybbuk, Hans president. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another great headline. That's usually the, yeah, something like that. And I just put my phone down. Oh, man, I just don't believe this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, mom and dad, life is not always as it seems. It can be a wondrous thing, but it can also be very treacherous. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be Boo. He's going to like have little, um, what are those? Like Oh, those little popper poppers, like, no, that like he... all poppers. <laughs> 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 Snappers? Like, What's a little... Those yeah, little... those little firecracker things. Mm-hmm. He's going to like have them. And we're like, where did you get those? It's like, I've had them since last 4th of July. Because he's such a little thief. Totally. He, he yeah, can... He's got a shoebox full of contraband. Oh, yeah. When he was a baby, he would always have like something in his hand where you're like, wait, how did you even get that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have so much to talk about. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Let's recap it oh i'm so excited to recap it there are several uh plot summaries on the internet movie database that this is the website yes oh dot com not dot org that's a whole other thing do not go to (laughs) imdb.org 
It's your only warning. And they're all so, so verbose. They're just really long. So I picked the one that made the most sense to me that was concise. But we got a lot of our favorite IMDb contributors here. Oh, that's exciting. We love to see old friends. We don't get to socialize as much as we used to. (laughs) Claudio Carvalho from Rio de Janeiro. Oh, shout out. Uh, And Amit Kozan. Remember him? Oh, how could I forget them? Um, But this... This review comes to us from Pipe and Hot Views. Oh. Which is a new one, new to us. <laughs> Hot takes in your uh, plot summary. Would you like to read it? I'd, lo- I'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay, I think I've got it here. You logged on to the database? Yeah, they took my credentials. Good. I've learned how to forge key cards during this time. Amelia, who lost her husband in a car crash on the way to give birth to Samuel, their only child, struggles to cope with her fate as a single mom. Samuel's constant fear of monsters and violent reaction to overcome the fear doesn't help her cause either, which makes her friends become distant. When things cannot get any worse, they read a strange book in their house about the Babadook monster that hides in the dark areas of their house. Even Amelia seems to feel the effect of Babadook and desperately tries in vain to destroy the book. The nightmarish experiences the two encounter form the rest of the story. I don't know. All the other ones were kind of like similar and just explaining kind of the background. But yeah, um, I really hope everybody's seen this movie. Um, It is... You know, I don't want to spoil anything for the ratings, but it's such a great movie. It's an excellent movie. This is not like uh, where it's not bullshit. It's you know? not. It's not bullshit. And so, I I love this filmmaker Jennifer Kent. I think I've talked about her on the podcast before. The film that she made after this was called The Nightingale, and it is devastating. It's not a horror movie. It's just a um historical you know historical fiction and it's i won't spoil it for anybody but it's so good so i read an interview with her and uh she talks about i think why we like this movie so much like Mm. she talks about um like you just said you know it's not it's not a joke you know like this is not like a joke horror movie this is something different right um and I just thought this was so good. She said that, unfortunately, the horror word is reductive for many people. And on the other hand, when you say horror, you have this large subculture who crosses their arms and says, okay, scare me. And I'm not interested in that. What I find most satisfying is when people come up to me after the film, like this one guy who had lost both his parents before the age of 15 and said, that was the most moving study of grief for me. I've had people in tears after the film. Um... And much more than people saying it was really scary. I like that too, but it's not my entire focus. And I think that even this was the second time watching it for both of us. I felt that even more so since I wasn't afraid of what was going to happen. You know, I think it like the taking the surprise out of it really let me kind of relax and notice so much more about 
depression and grief more so than this monster, you know? Because when, I, yeah. yeah, we we just have to talk about when we first saw this movie and versus this. Right, because we saw it in theaters. We did. In 2014. And I have not watched it since, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, if it was, it was much closer to when it first came out. Definitely not since having kids, right. most importantly. Right. Um, no one really in our friend group, I think there was like one, one couple who had a child like a baby at the time and now that same friend group has like 20 kids among us so um it's happening yeah um but so we we had no idea we had no idea what parenting was like even remotely as most people don't before they have kids um but so for me the things that I was feeling watching this again. Mm -hmm. The first time I saw the Babadook, I remember thinking about what a nightmare that kid was. I remember thinking about how Samuel was so obnoxious. And I remember like feeling very sorry for the mom, Mm -hmm. you know, because she had an abnormal child. Right. Feeling the tension of his special needs is what it felt like. Yes. It was like, she has she's not equipped to handle this special child um and in this viewing especially after being alone with the kids for eight days during a pandemic Mm -hmm. where everything is not normal um but just in general um i just i couldn't believe how normal that kid is i couldn't believe how he the things that he did the way he reacted to things was so just a normal day a normal day of screaming and fighting and emoting and none of that is bad but it is not abnormal like (laughs) there are so many times in the movie where he's just like screaming in the car Mm -hmm. And we have a screamer, you know, Boo is a screamer, but also Woo, like he, you know, he does his fair share of like wailing and he wails when Boo screams. Yes. Yes. And just the, the fire hose of emotions from kids, you know, he, the Samuel in the movie is about to turn seven. So I imagine this just keeps, you know. This is just gonna how it's gonna be for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was like the main thing that struck me. Um This is prime quarantine viewing for that reason. If yeah, for some reason, if any of you listening to this right now have not seen this movie, this will be the first time I ever say pause and go watch the movie because I think there's it's the most relatable. Yeah start to finish and for this, not just for parents, but for this moment, mm-hmm. I even, and, and like not to jump too far ahead, but something else that kind of changed my viewing or reading of the, of the movie were these sort of like distinctly pandemic um, corollaries that happen. There's like a couple, mm-hmm. like one, it just like when um, uh, 
well, I guess it all kind of happens around the same sort of thing. Uh, when Amelia freaks out and Robbie, her coworker, quasi boyfriend, maybe we're not really sure what the deal is there. Um, he certainly has a crush on her. Yeah, it's very like it's all seems like other than what I think is a tongue in cheek thing about you're in the kitchen comment thing when she's in the break room yeah. making tea. Um, is other than that, I, he seems pretty great. He brings over to their house a model airplane and flowers for Amelia. A model airplane for Samuel, which to me, like the model, like model building Lego construction puzzle boomlet that we're in because of quarantine, I couldn't help but noticing the like, oh, that's pure gold. What a great idea. Like, I feel like people are doing a lot of those kinds of gift giving things right mm-hmm. now. Uh, the fact that it right before that, he, he covers for Amelia for the rest of her shift. So right. she has like a little quote unquote kind of me day rather than going straight home. To Samuel, she goes to the mall and has an ice cream cone. And if that doesn't seem like what you would absolutely do if mm-hmm. all of a sudden COVID was taken away from you for like two hours, that is right. probably what you do. Be like, I'm going to go to a crowded place and yeah. just kind of blend in and put my mouth and hands on a thing I can eat. Like, I don't know. It just seems like I yeah. all of it kind of just res- like hit in a different way or even just the mm-hmm. simplicity of that sort of breather for her was extra impactful because of the moment we're in, in addition to parenting when it does, when you do feel like, you know, just like an hour or two is just extra valued because you don't have the same pressure release valves that you do normally with friends and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, um, it is a really good movie to watch right now. Just because I think we're all grieving in our own ways right now. Like whether you had a big year planned and none of it's happening, you could have had your wedding delayed, you could have had actual people die from COVID or from something else and you weren't with them. I mean, there's so much grief right now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's kind of the perfect movie to watch right now. I think, you know, we were saving it because we I know we really liked this movie um when we first saw it but and I always think of it as a very scary movie um so I wanted to do it during October but it's yeah it turned out to be really poignant yeah just so many emotions um yeah and it's I do think it's still very scary it is it totally is still scary I still felt in my legs watching this movie yeah like there there aren't as many as I remember in my head. It was right. a much scarier thing. They did a great job, especially for a smaller movie, making every second count really great design work. Like mm-hmm. obviously, the book itself, the Mister Babadook. Oh yeah, book and sort of the various forms of the monster mm-hmm. and the house. Oh yeah, the house just being so like muted and everything being cold and blue and gray like and it's so consistent um so yeah were you thinking were were you remembering when you first saw it and just like how different it feels to be a parent watching it or did I pretty much cover it I mean yeah other than like there's a million moments I could talk about I mean right from the jump my first no let's see this is technically my third note but it's I just wrote down the realness of bed sharing. 
Samuel climbs into bed after he has a bad dream. Right. He throws his arm over her throat and is like gripping her trachea basically as he sleeps and she doesn't. He kicks. He's grinding his teeth or clacking his teeth or whatever. Um, She doesn't sleep. The kid does. And that to me is like every experience I've had with Wu trying to climb into bed with us with like truly two exceptions. Yeah. To that. I, you know, we are, we're very strict about them not getting into bed with us at night. You know, in the morning, it's full on snuggle time, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But like at night, it's, yeah, it's not a pleasant experience. But last nobody sleeps well. Nobody sleeps well. Especially us. Yeah. And we just don't have a giant bed. So like it's not even, you can't even give them room. But for some reason, last week, Wu was having trouble sleeping like a lot a mm-hmm. lot and um the other night he managed to sneak into our bed without me waking up and then i wake up and he's like asleep next to me and that was the first well. time that that has ever happened oh he's he freaks me out all the time of just like kind of appearing you know because he still has accidents and especially right now i think i think it's linked to growth spurts so yeah he has having a lot of growing pains and yeah but does that and just coming back from that trip i that i was i mean i think he was just kind of yeah. It's a little bit of a mess, but Yeah. Are you going to ask? Well, I I don't remember in the movie Samuel like gripping Amelia's throat. Does that happen? Cuz that's that was the story that I was going to tell for kids are creepy all right cuz that happened. Yes, and you still should. Yeah, that that happened. But I don't remember that in the movie. That's so he, funny. He grabs like a what looked to me, or maybe it's like her collarbone. I looked to me just like a protruding kind of like Ugh. side of her neck. It looked super uncomfortable. Oh God! Maybe I'll try to find a screenshot. a screen gra- screenshot yeah. and share it. it. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, yeah. Sorry, this movie's not streaming for free anywhere anymore. I think partially because it is Spooktoberfest. It was on mm-hmm. Netflix forever. Yeah. Um, we bought a copy. Support. It's totally worth it. Rent mm-hmm. it. Whatever. You well, I did a poll on Instagram to ask our listeners who who's seen it, you know, mm. and it's a hundred percent right now. And I don't know how many people voted in the poll, but um, hopefully our listeners have seen it. I right. feel like it's kind of a must for, yeah, horror fans. Or yeah, even... This is truly original. Then still holds and still holds up yeah. for every reason it did six years ago. Yeah, it's it's so rare that a movie can especially like a Sundance movie can do this. Um, so yeah, but woo, like, yeah, threw his little arm around me and then just slowly crept up and encircled, you know, for as wide as he could just like put his hand on my throat. And it was like, I was laughing. <laughs> I was like, I wish I could tell Josh this right now, but I just, just moved his arm. Um, it was so <laughs> creepy. It was so creepy. So thankful you don't have an Adam's apple. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, there's so much to talk about in this movie. We were just kind of like consolidating our thoughts on it. And um, I'll try to keep it as, you know, as concise as a IMDb um, plot synopsis. But um which is to say not at all. Um, <laughs> but I really just, I couldn't believe the timing of watching this movie. So last week, Josh was, was away. And, you know, 
I luckily my, you know, Aunt Donna lives close by. She was helping me out as much as she could, just kind of like coming over and entertaining the kids. And it's just so exhausting, no matter what, though, because you're doing everything for them. And there's no, there's just no break at all until they're in bed and you're done all the things that you need to do, like dishes and laundry and all that stuff. And so there's just very little downtime to recharge. And I could feel myself getting like run down. Like I felt, which is horrifying right now because those are the symptoms of COVID is like getting a sore throat or like Mm -hmm. just having your runny nose. So it was a little scary, but, um, and you know, I was definitely very supportive of you going on this trip. That wasn't like I was resentful at all. I was really happy that you were going up to Seattle. Yes. I went to Seattle. Yes. (laughs) And, um, so it's just draining to be the sole person. And I have so much respect always have, but it's times like these when you really realize how impossible it is to be a single parent, like impossible. I don't even know. You really would have to have a community, which Amelia doesn't in this movie. Um, But you would really need like beyond supportive, like you need people that you can lean on in like a very significant way. Um, Anyway, so you know, the week is going on and I think it was Friday night. You know, I had, I had had trouble going to sleep. I think I went to bed around midnight and then around one, Wu gets up and he is, he's just wailing because he's having growing pains. He's just like, you know, this is the time of life. I remember going through it. I'm sure we've talked about on, on the podcast. It sucks, you know, (laughs) growing pains suck. So he's wailing and I'm trying to calm him down. And and I'm not using my normal approach of like remaining calm and, you know, understanding and, right. and empathizing with him. Because I'm and I've noticed this, I've I've done it before in the middle of the night. It's like it's just you're dreading, at least I dread not being able to go back to sleep. And I'm dreading boo waking up even though he's not made a peep and he never does he sleeps through all this stuff somehow Uh and but in the moment it's so difficult and i'm like like take woo out of bed and i'm like just being much more tough with him you know just more yeah more firm firm and it's that's probably freaking him out and finally i gave him some motrin I think it was like infant Motrin and I don't even know what, but I did give him some pain meds because he just was so inconsolable. Yeah. And I put him back to bed and I, I just completely broke. Like I hit bottom. I, and I was up for, I was up to like three but I just like broke down and like had a nice good cry and just it was like so much guilt that I had just like treated him in a way that is so contrary to how we normally like the rye approach and everything if you can even call it that whatever whatever it is that we do because I know 
it's not specifically rye, but that's the closest thing you can probably call it. But and just the like, it was almost like you know, for six days or whatever it had been, just like being the the absorbing all their emotions, you know, because they're sad and angry anyway about things about just being small and not having autonomy and then you pile on all these other things and yeah I just watching this movie I like could not relate more to it so recently where that feeling of like I I just this is so hard like am I up am I up for this you know like am I am I you know, yeah. am I that, equipped to do this? Yeah, it was just so. Yeah, it was rough. It was really rough, but it was it. You know, it was fine the next day. He was fine. We all got through it, and and we knew this was temporary. You know, like we we had a lot of fun while you were away too. But it was just wow. Her struggles are not that I think that was the other thing about watching it before kids was like you think that she is so she's almost like a character in a fairy tale too because you know by the end of it she's like about to kill this child Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she's so terrible to him but and I've never like called the kids names or like sworn at them the way she does when she's fully quote unquote like possessed by the Babadook but um but you feel that like you feel that rage sometimes and it's not abnormal it's not the struggle is not abnormal the movie is not that crazy I think that was like a big takeaway mm-hmm. I'm really sorry that that was like what you that that was what happened that that was your that that was like the Friday night of your week without me here yeah it was in the morning but i mean you don't have to be sorry it's not like three in the morning yeah yeah i was up for a while luckily had a a book to read on my phone i just couldn't get back to sleep but yeah it's not it's not anything like those things happen and i think that you like as parents you do you have to have your own steam valve and you have to let yourself kind of see those feelings out through to the end like you might have those stabbing pains of like oh I wish I had done that differently with my child or whatever and I think that there's a lot of value in circling back even if it's the next day if you feel like you you know didn't do something the way you wanted to with the kid I think it models a lot of um good things to do that but i think just like most of the time when you're parenting especially if you're on your own you kind of have to like put those feelings aside in order just to like focus on them and not and just go through go through your day um cuz you can't like <laughs> break down and if you do that's fine too I think that also models something good for your kids, but you know, it felt, it did feel good. Like it was, it didn't feel good at the time, but like 
it felt necessary felt necessary to like just let out the emotions that I feel like I was just absorbing all week Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's not like you not being here brought that on per se it's just you know that's life that's what you're gonna do well yeah just but it brought it on only only because I was gone you know because you didn't have that yeah, same it, kind of steam valve all all week and they didn't have somewhere else to like put some of those emotions mm-hmm. yeah well so, you, it's not your fault is all I'm saying um sure and you know so we haven't traveled in so long and I think the last time one of us was alone with the kids was last year probably last fall when I was shooting up in San Francisco. I think I was away for like six days, Mm -hmm. but still, you know, that, that was almost a year ago. And now they're in this like totally different stage where both of them are so much more demanding in a different way. And I was thinking about that. Like when you were gone, I was like, Oh wow. Like Josh hasn't really experienced this yet. Like, because they're different kids. So I thought that was kind of interesting too. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's a really it's it's scary to think about. I think we talk about it a lot. I think almost every episode, you know, we talk about how there's a lack of stuff to do during COVID and everything else. But in addition to them growing and changing and being new people all the time, it's like one other way in which you take for granted like all those all those little very seemingly small things that aren't daily, but are just like different ways for all of us to like tap out for a second. Yeah. Get, yeah. Whether it's, you know, a night out here, uh, an hour at the park there, a, you know, uh, all those things that are just like part of uh, going to get a coffee after you drop them off at school. Mm-hmm. Those. And those again, they're not happening every day, but like when they, when none of it's happening for all involved, yeah, for and you take out half of everyone's support network, it, yeah, crumbles pretty quickly. And that's not, it's just like a really untenable thing. You just look at it and like then in the context of like a movie like this, how, yeah, just to be without it for so, for, his child's entire existence is yeah. awful. Oh yeah. Um yeah, so I really <laughs> I really related to the scenes where she's like just trying to get him to take the sedative and then her not being able to fall asleep and she's like watching the TV like a zombie. It was like <laughs> that night when he you know, I was just like, I don't know, I'm just gonna give him like two milligrams of this. We just haven't updated our like kid child Motrin su- supply, so it was like yeah. infant Motrin. There is, and I'm yeah. sure, you know. And he didn't want to take it. He didn't. He was like, I don't want to, because he didn't know what it was. And I was like, just smell it. Like it smells like bubble gum. And it was just like, not. I'm sure not the best way to, you know, get your. I don't know. I have no idea. I wasn't really feeling guilt about actually giving him. No pain he, meds because he needed something. Pain, yeah. yeah like I wasn't, but <laughs> where 
Amelia is like, you have to take it so you can sleep so I can sleep. And then she can't. And Uh it's just like, yes, that is that is the the fear with nighttime struggles. It's like the fear of like now we're up. Now we're up and now tomorrow's fucked and we're all just fucked. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, it's all anxiety. Yeah. I know. I remember talking about this on early episodes too, but there's a lot of that when you were mentioning before about like, uh, what if Boo wakes up, but he never wakes up. He sleeps through all of it. Or if mm-hmm. he did, he's quiet. And, would go and back he to would sleep. just go back to sleep. <laughs> he go back to sleep. Everyone's eventually going to go to sleep. Everyone can sleep or you sleep the next night. It's not like an infinite cycle, but it's really, really, really impossible to remember that stuff at the time. And I just remember those anxieties, especially with sleep training, mm-hmm. thinking about like, yeah, what if this is forever? Like, what if the sun just slowly comes up and no one's asleep? You know, what do we do right. then? And yeah. that just never happens and that's okay and even if like yeah you as the parent end up with half the night's sleep you would have liked to get it just sucks when it's cumulative and again that gets back to like where this yeah that week for you is a rough one that is yeah yeah it's quite literally unfair you know but it is what it is it you know there's not really there's just nothing to be done about it which is like the shame of Mm -hmm. it you know so I'm going to go away again next week. Uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing that this movie has never been made up until now because how universal this struggle is. You know, like, uh, it just feels like such great territory. Yeah. It, yeah. And, it, and, and I think to the, to some extent, the movie that's most about parenting that we've watched so far actual parenting a hundred percent because that is the central struggle of the film right there's no there's no conflict without it there's nothing you know nothing happens Mm -hmm. without the parenting yeah a, a thing that i had read before this was also talking about how you know the way we usually see mothers in horror is they are either there to save their children at all costs, mm-hmm. right? Or like, sacrifice themselves for their kids. You know, if you look at stuff like The Shining, or then like um, the flip side is either that or they're the they're the villain. They're the source mm-hmm. of all of the misery, whether that's you know Psycho or Friday the Thirteenth or whatever. Mm-hmm. So to have this thing where that's our protagonist. There's a lot of nuance, like there's a possession element of it, but like she acts this way before she is possessed, right? It's not like mm-hmm. all of her, it's not like she she has a turn, of course, it gets worse, but the whole thing is like it is this steady tilt towards the Babadook possessing her. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I had a feeling during this viewing of it where I thought, oh, this isn't the first time this has happened, this is just finally oh. the kid standing up to it and trying to make her stand up to it too. Because he does act like an abused child. Yeah. Before like she really goes off the deep end. Right. And if she hasn't had seven days, she's had seven years alone yep. with the kid. And yeah, he's already building these like tremendous traps mm-hmm. 
likes magic and he has this whole kind of like other world that it would make a lot of sense that he's done that kind of sort of like in the in the absence of mm-hmm. a totally present loving parent you right. know um yeah, it's really interesting that this is just like maybe another episode yeah and even why like the neighbor doesn't call the police well and she right. even says like it's very hard for you this time of year like around his birthday mm-hmm. so yeah it's just heartbreaking it's such a a heartbreaking and really well-crafted film <laughs> not really to keep is. saying it but um so having said all this and have having like having such personal understanding of all the struggles in this and you know, really just scratching the surface because obviously she's dealing with the death of her husband. But we still want to talk about the parenting in the movie because mm-hmm. that's what we're here for. We're talking about the parenting lessons. And there were, a f- there were, I mean, it's just weak. Countless. I Countless, mean, you can really right? go scene to scene. Yeah. You know, but-, but we'll try to narrow down to things that like really affected us. Um, and... There were just so many things that made me, it was almost like reverse, um, reverse engineering, like why this child was behaving the way he does. So she has several times in the movie is kind of like do this or else, you know, she's not, she's, she's threatening him in these small ways mm-hmm. as it's building up. Like, do this or that's it you're not getting a birthday no birthday for you canceling his birthday party right which is like very even though by the way it has already been canceled right he his aunt has has decoupled has uncoupled their the joint birthday Mm -hmm. of the cousins earlier that day or whatever Mm -hmm. so it's not like she's had a chance to so instead she she like wields that Mm -hmm. and uses it as a cudgel to say like you're yeah, to yeah. Like punish him. Right. The the threats and the shame cuz at some point she well uh, several times she mocks him in front of other people saying like oh like what six what six-year-old believe, believes in monsters. Mm-hmm. Like right in front of him and it's these you know I don't Viewed in the larger context of the movie of how you know she is depressed and not taking care of him the way that she should. But I think in any other situation, it's like you're kind of trotting out these things that maybe your parents said to you or you're treating them like an adult in the way like that you you expect so much from them. I think the thing is like you um, you overestimate kids and you underestimate babies. You know, it's like, so you're overestimating him so much that right. he can't possibly, you know, he's still a child. That's right. He's still very much a baby. Yeah. We've talked about that, I know, before on the show. Like yeah. Like the, the inherent babiness of especially a six-year-old. Yeah. It's a really unique mm-hmm. tipping point kind of age-wise where, yeah, like some kids are probably seem exceptionally mature or something or- right you know, well-defined or no longer a baby. And right. for, for so many other kids, 
there's still so much about them that is still so babyish, yeah. still so innocent, still so right, and how you know, developing, yeah, and how like he's clinging to her at the birthday party before at the cousin's birthday party before um he goes into the treehouse with with his cousin but he's clinging to her and she seems ashamed of that you know of him being so attached to her and there's no like recognition there of my kid just needs me right now you know oh i thought that she did i thought in that moment she has sort of she says she looks at her her friends quote unquote right and she's just like, ugh, like kind of rolls her eyes, like, ugh. I can't remember what exactly she says there. She says, "He's oh, he's just tired or something." Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not right. So it's hard. I'm it's just not it, awesome. It, it's it it's hard to like... pick apart her parenting because mm-hmm. obviously she's going through so much. So like preface that, but there are, you know, it's almost like she she. Throughout the movie, as it's building, she checks all these boxes of like what not to do to your yeah. kid. It's like right. shame, punishment, illogical punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we. I feel like I've learned a lot about like consequences, and if they're not logical, then they're shaming. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not just natural consequences, of like I have to take you down from there because you might fall. Right. Um, you just pushed your cousin out of the treehouse. I don't care whose fault it is. We do we have to make sure she's okay mm-hmm. and then we're leaving. Like right, right. that's yeah, we can't stay and play. Yeah. Oh, and Aunt Claire. Oh, she's a terrible parent. She's she's yes. awful. Yes. She's so awful. So like it's not just Amelia. Mm-hmm. Um Claire is so terrible. She like blames this child. There's no empathy. Um yeah, and that that whole scene with uh, the the other moms at the party, it's like you just have to have a support group. You mm-hmm. have to have people that you're willing that that are willing to like, yeah, be on your side. I can't imagine going through any of this without my mom friends, without my friends who were my friends before they were moms who now continue to be my friends. But even like. Mm-hmm. mom groups on facebook and everything that's just like supportive and like affirming under- affirming and-, and understanding of this everything that we're all going through right now yeah it, it's a it's a really interesting thing like that moment too where she yeah just like not choosing to step aside because i was even saying before this started i like today was a day that i was like waiting for it to be over in so many ways i kind of kept rushing through it in my mind like just getting mm-hmm. you know whether that's anxiety or, or what what have you you know just sort of maybe it's i don't know anxiety anxiety or... who could say but that that feeling that happens sometimes and definitely more often lately is you know it, it's that same she wanted a moment with adults and was just doing everything she could to like mm-hmm. hustle through the caregiving part of it to then like move into like you get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I want to have like time with these people I hate, <laughs> you know, like talk about how desperate rather than just yeah. like even taking the time to be like, Hey, let's, why don't we go have a talk in another room, even in the context of this movie that would have still worked as a scene, but it's not what that mom would have done. It's like, it yeah. is exactly right for obviously what she's going through, but it is, uh, it's really hard. It's hard to stay 
present and stuff like that. And not by giving yourself a hard time either, allowing yourself to sort of rely on your parenting skills that you know you have, yeah. you know, and take well, a beat and say like, yeah. I need to, we can go, let's go fix this. I still know what I want and what I want to get out of this and everything else, but like pause, refocus on your kid to then go back to like, yeah, to kind of get out of there sooner so that you can then go enjoy your time with adults or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. It's so hard when you're around other parents, you know, even if they are your friends or if they're strangers, like there's this expectation. And if you, if your child is acting out or if you're not, you know, doing the right thing, you feel judged. I mean, you probably are being judged. So it's hard to remember and not give a shit about that. You know, it's hard to remember, like, I just remember, yeah, it feels like lifetime ago but just remember like at kids birthday parties you know of Mm -hmm. like kind of opposite ends of the spectrum where like i would be very attentive to the kids where i felt like other parents weren't Mm -hmm. and just knowing what they like will and boo just need that then and i don't care about socializing at that moment Mm -hmm. or if you are socializing and you are, you know, letting your child figure something out by themselves or like not, you know, sometimes I wouldn't know where one of them was at a party and just kind of being okay with that and trying not to feel like a bad parent. For sure. It's just like, yeah, it's so hard to feel like you're doing the right thing. And ultimately, like, I don't care what other people think, but you can't help that feeling of like, am I doing this right? You know, like... Totally. crazy. Yeah. The other kind of side of this coin is like the attention seeking of Samuel throughout this movie is such a big piece of connection for me with it. Like mm-hmm. that's something I just recognize. Like there, there's a thing uh, in the beginning, he's trying to show her, uh, he's trying to show Amelia's mom a new magic trick. And he's, he's just like, look at me, look at me. It doesn't work if you're not looking at me. And just that moment was like, Oh my gosh. Like cut to the core of me. Yes. Where just, you know. You have to be holding it. You have to be holding the Lego or the mm-hmm. whatever. You have to hold it in your hand. Sometimes right. I just can't hold the thing. Right. And it, like, yeah, you have to be kind of like on the ground. You got to be like in the shit playing, mm-hmm. not just like sitting back doing a voice or something else yeah. or just do, you know, or kind of like observing and letting yeah. them play. A lot of the time they just and especially now they don't have the same outlets socially mm-hmm. they want to they they demand mm-hmm. your attention yeah. and they it, want you so fully just fully fully present with them and it's a it's a lot to give it you is. know it is it's really it's really just uh it is it is tough um but actually could you play that clip uh with the neighbor oh sure thing did you get your things done? Mrs. Rudge has Parkinson's. That's why she shakes like this. Samuel, you don't have to say everything that goes through your head. Oh, it's all right, love. He wanted to know. So we talked about it. He sees things as they are, that one. Oscar was the same. He always spoke his mind. Do you have to keep on bringing him up? So sad. Um... But I wanted to play that clip because <laughs> that, I mean, 
it's so relatable. I'm sure any parent watching that was like, yep, that is how kids are. That is just what they do. They're going to say some shit. Yeah, they're going to like ask if that woman has a baby in her belly. Mm -hmm. It just happened to be a larger person. Or they're going to like woo the other day we went for a nighttime walk and uh we ran into our neighbor guy may have mentioned guy on the oh we've show talked before. about guy probably as much as they have <laughs> in real life we've talked about on this show yes okay so guy flores lava famous famous man episode five check it out <laughs> so the kids are thrilled and they're just like grilling him with questions like where do you live what where's you know what toys does little guy have like just grilling him and guy is uh expecting another baby boy in a few months so we were talking about his wife being pregnant and Wu just busts out where do um how do babies come out when they're born it wasn't quite where do babies come from but it was so almost there that i was just like (laughs) just like oh i was like okay that's a great time to ask that question and i think guy was laughing but i don't know it was just so it was so funny to me that it was like can't believe they embarrass you like that in front of a celebrity (laughs) but it's it's just they do say whatever comes into their head and it's often wonderful and sometimes treacherous um so true yeah and anyway like so again like just checking off all the boxes of like not talking about things at all not exploring with the child and like fostering that curiosity i mean she is just really she's not at her best but the neighbor is great in that yes scene. the neighbor if and if only people could be that way i mean i've never had I've, i can't think of a time when my child has been doing something or saying something that seems taboo and someone's just so understanding well has anybody ever called them out or anything like that you know or or been like not me silence your child just like not not helping not as graceful as that neighbor for sure i don't think anyone ever feels that supported no that that was a really special thing and a nice way of further kind of heightening Amelia's state Mm -hmm. as she's like supposedly descending into madness or whatever by just being like, it's not that fine. I do. I've got Parkinson's. Not Parkinson's, you idiot. Um, So. Yeah. So the other, (laughs) the other kind of big question in this movie is where does this book come from? Because the book exists. It is in their home, right? It is a it's a physical it's a, object yeah. that at least is verified by Samuel. Mm-hmm. And she does light something on fire. She does uh, whatever you know, rip up the pages and throw them out. Like it doesn't seem to be a total figment mm-hmm. of her imagination. But like as it shows up on his shelf, I was just struck by two things. One again how relatable that is where i'm sure the first time i saw it i was thinking like are you shitting me you don't 
like mm-hmm. know what this like mm-hmm. beautiful like handmade okay. <laughs> like pop up pop up book is. But I totally get it now. Shit oh, yeah. appears. It uh, does. It just appears in your house. It does. But I think right now, besides like knowing the origin story of every single Hot Wheels, I think I could tell you where everything in our house is from. You might feel that way about certain books that like my mom sends us mm-hmm. that are like a little different from the books that we um usually by our kids like they're way more heartfelt it's like grandmom loves you mm-hmm. you know like that's the book title um the, and it's like uh, i could see how you would be like where did this come from i think i know where everything came from but i thought it, it was a good it felt like how the internet must feel you know to, to kids who are just like using the internet autonomously where you could just be like, oh, how did that get in my house? If they like stumbled upon something like insidious, mm. not the movie. Oh, but what if they did? <laughs> they wouldn't be scared because it's not a scary movie. Um, <laughs> just let them watch it. Um, yeah. So anyway, still, still totally relatable, I think. Yeah. And I still, I mean, I feel like, especially when Boo was born and then again, every birthday and Christmas There'll be those things where then like months later, you're like, I don't know where this book came from. I don't know. Or I don't remember who sent it. Or I've definitely never read it. One of those things that maybe they get too early and Mm. it's too long. So you'd never read it. And then once it appears as like, oh, they'd probably like this style book. This This isn't a board book. Let's try that. And you're just like, what the hell is this? But it brings me to... uh, that chills. That no. Oh God. Full body chills. You have got to screen the media that comes into your home before you're reading it to your kids or watching. That's been hard for me. There's been a bunch of stuff. I think, especially shows for them that I want to check out first. You know that I want to know. They're so into superheroes. I want to know, like, is this particular iteration of a Spider-Man cartoon suitable mm-hmm. for preschoolers? Right. The answer is mostly no. But I keep saying to myself, like, I'll I'll watch one sometime. Like, while I'm doing dishes, I'll throw one on for mm-hmm. myself and check it out. I never do. I still haven't done that with any of those shows that I've wanted mm-hmm. to watch. So it just means they keep watching just Paw Patrol and Octonauts. That's all they want to watch fine. anyway. But like, that's it. In my desperation to mix things up, that's what I want to do. But I end up stalling out on it. But And I mean, books too. There's sometimes where you do get to that, you know, you kind of get to a page or a section of something and you're just like, ah, I wish I could have ripped this out before I started. I wish I could have just Mm -hmm. like known to skip this page. And, you know, like before your kid is just like, I I would want to know... what the hell you're getting into and it's it just completely falls on us yeah there is no great universal resource for this stuff there's a few internet tools but you just realize it's one of those fundamental like parents are different kids are different yeah it's personal preference and your household what you think is appropriate and what others do is 
I don't even know anyone who has the exact same whatever barometer that we do. It's different. I'm not saying better or worse. It's just different. I feel like it's different for our two children. I mean, that to me is the most telling telling part because I think there's some stuff where Wu, our older child, hi, we're 24 episodes in. If you're just joining us, Wu is four and a half. Boo is two and a half. Wu, four and a half year old, is more easily scared. He's more nervous about stuff. He feels more feels. He does. More openly. But it also means he doesn't really like peril in his entertainment. He doesn't like yelling. He doesn't. And so like there's certain things like that that we have to sort of look out for on his behalf. And then there's all the other stuff because he is very smart and very verbal and those kinds of things that I think we're also reluctant to include a lot of characters who are like bossy bitches. Like there's a lot, I think that was something that our, and also I'm reluctant to show a lot of older content because most of it sucks for various reasons, whether to sell toys or then something where you're like, oh, well we have to have all the archetypes. Like everything has to be the fucking breakfast club, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than just being like, well, what's the best kind of entertainment value pound for pound for a preschooler it's probably Paw Patrol, right? Like none of none of the dogs is like the lazy one. None of the mm-hmm. dogs is like the one that, yeah, or like the one that's always telling on others or, yeah. you know, has a short temper or any of those yeah. things. Yeah, but I mean, that's so important. It's like Oscar the Grouch and Telly are there to teach kids about grouches and anxious people. Yeah, and that's in good. such a great way. I, I'm not asking for that on Paw Patrol. I see what you're saying, but like, I think most just, of the time they don't need it. It's so that, reductive that show. <laughs> Although, bravo to them for the new pup. Shout out Rex. We love you, Rex. Yeah, I. It, but I'm I'm saying that for the most part, those archetypes they don't serve every kid well. We look at those and see like, oh, that they can basically be like a bad influence for Wu. Like I think he he could see that and almost like, I don't know. It almost feels like he could it's not like I'm specifically avoiding uh hotheads or something in children's media, but it does yeah. it's it serves a different thing on Sesame Street than it does in commercial animation where like a tra- the Transformers rescue bots, they have like three of the robots are dicks <laughs> and, yeah. and they uh and, and so like is that really the best thing to be watching yeah no it isn't but at the same time for other kids it's just like less of a thing they don't they're not internalizing right. that stuff where it's clear he is point being yeah even in our own household i wouldn't think twice about it with our younger son right our younger well, son and I is think like you, chiller about that stuff well you said it before he at least is less external about it so who knows what is really going on in there because he could just be playing into that role that he yeah just has at this point like we we watched ponyo a few weeks ago and Wu just booked it he i was like you don't have to watch it and he just went and played in his room and boo really liked it and at some point he was like this is too scary for me or Mm. something and we only watched half of it But yeah, he was really not phased by it, at least not showing it. But yeah, we'll just see how that how that goes as they grow older. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think, yes, screening media when you can is important or just 
be prepared to suffer the consequences. <laughs> yeah. When we used to be able to go into the library to get books, I would very often at least flip through mm-hmm. and just be like, what the hell is this even about? There's so many books written about like gnarly subjects or about nothing that are completely pointless or so many. I did find while trying to navigate to the plot summary page on the internet movie database, it's a database. I got lots of data. One of the things they offer is a parent's guide for every movie. Oh, and so there's one, there's a page and entry for the Babadook. Oh, my parents. It has sections on, Sex and nudity, violence and gore, profanity, alcohol, drugs, and smoking, frightening and intense scenes, and also spoilers. And so it then just lists, and I assume this is all user-added stuff. It rates it. So like violence and gore is actually moderate. Profanity, mild. Alcohol, drug, and smoking, none. They do mention that the mother gives a child a sedative. Like it even is that Mm -hmm. specific. And then like frightening and intense scenes, severe. (laughs) accurate and then they're just like little lines the pop-up children's book featured in the film is graphic and can be quite intense when it's being read or viewed like that's a line in there and then there's you know like in the language section it says two uses of fuck two uses of shit one use of bitch and so Mm. on and so forth and i'd be i'm curious to go delve into this with some actual children's content you know yeah um interesting yeah there's a couple other things out there there's like a tv version that is like i forget what it's called i'll find it and share it but it's like tv parenting guide and i found that to be pretty helpful but Mm -hmm. it's um yeah it's a it's pretty all over the place out there but something like this where it actually gets into more objectively well what exactly is in this thing uh i like that anyway if you have other resources, feel free to let us know. We'll love to hear about them. Yeah. Um, just one more scene in the movie that I want to talk about, and it doesn't really have to do with her parenting, but um, I found it to be very relevant, is when after she has burned the book and gotten some phone calls from the Duke, <laughs> she goes to the police. Mm. And I love this scene because I think that, that's like what you always want in a horror movie, right? You want like, well, why didn't you go to, go to the cops? Right. And it helps prove it's real. Like right. acknowledging your reality to someone else is a cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they just basically pick her apart. Don't help her at all. Judge her to the point where she basically runs away. And um, obviously, you know, policing is a flawed system. Don't know if you've heard this. So there was a lot in that scene that was just very resonant right now. But I also just listened to the latest radio lab is called No Special Duty. And it is all about how the police do not actually have a legal obligation to protect you or help you. And how it's about the court case that went to the Supreme Court and it's about some other instances where like people have tried to sue and have lost because the police did nothing for them like the the case that went to the supreme court is all about enforcing a restraining order and it's you know it's certain things like you when you think about restraining orders or you think about like witness protection or these things where you're like 
it just feels like such a solution where mm-hmm. you're like, well, I would get a restraining order if X, right, just X, get y, a re- if, if he's really bothering you so much, just why don't you get a restraining order? Yeah. On yeah. Yeah. And how the worst possible thing can happen. And even if you asked the police to enforce your restraining order, they legally have no obligation to. Um, so that was mind blowing. And it felt just like so. Right. Like the, so like a restraining order, I haven't listened to this yet, but I am assuming it means that I have it queued up even, but that like the restraining order gives the police tools, say, to be able to enforce it if they so choose, right? Like, oh yeah, you can't be within 500 feet of this person. If they find you there, they gives them cause to arrest you. But like, they are not liable if they that don't, person violates it and they don't. Yeah, they're not liable. They're they're not bound to enforce it. They're not even like, even if I had a restraining order against you right now and I called the cops, and they wouldn't have to make you leave. They could arrest you, but they don't have to because there's no actual code of ethics for the cops. And that's why, and they talk about it in that episode of how like, we deal with the effects of this broken system and we never get to the root of why police aren't held accountable. Mm -hmm. It's because there is no governing body or, you know, yeah, code of ethics at all. There's no police for the police who watches the watchmen. Yeah. Well, I'll let you guys listeners, you listen to it. It's, it's super interesting and in that like constitutional way you can see how it's all to protect us from police state but it is flawed super flawed (laughs) um yeah i mean wow and especially if you show up there with no evidence of the thing right right you want them to investigate it's not going to move anybody over there at the mm-hmm. station to come uh, poke around your house or yeah. have someone watch your front door or whatever right. else you're you're hoping for. Right. Well, I mean, the conclusion, one of the conclusions of the podcast is that we're responsible for each other, that we as a society, like it is no one's actual legal responsibility to protect us and help us. We have to do that for each other. And I think that that concept is in this movie too, where it's like, she has no support. She has to like fight this on her own. And I thought that that was like, if I had one thing about this movie (laughs) and I imagine that people watching it who suffer with depression could possibly have some beef with this movie too, is like how they fix it the mom and the son mm-hmm. and how that that's where it becomes like a fairy tale. Cause it's not possible. It's very unrealistic for mm-hmm. them to keep this monster at bay in the basement and live with it in a healthy way. <laughs> Jennifer Kent has said that she's not making a Bob Duke too. And I love that. I, if, if you can, not do a sequel if it's just airtight like this movie is don't do it great but i could see how this is a false ending because this isn't over you know like it's not 
possible right. for people to overcome mental illness on their own. You can't keep it at bay, usually just by yourself. You know, it, I still like the ending, but um, I do too. I think that it's if this is a movie about grief and depression, it is like a very tough pill to swallow mm-hmm. at the end. I like I like the idea of or the metaphor of uh it's something that you literally live with and it's something that you have to work on together yes and you have to feed it a little bit Mm -hmm. like you have to acknowledge it acknowledge its existence you can't bury it or it will overcome you you can't get rid of the babadook yeah whether it's word in a word or in a look man oh god um I I know I just said that there isn't going to be a sequel to The Babadook. I know I just said that. But I'm very excited to have the holiday season start because we will have to watch the short How the Duke Stole Christmas by Jennifer Kent. Yeah. Yes. I think I remember seeing it when the movie came out finding it on the internet and i'm pretty sure it's in the extras of wonderful the film we just purchased the babadook oh my god also by jennifer kent (laughs) we have a there's a picture of the babadook and i'm gonna just navigate away from that page because it is spooky to me um anyway i think we should rate this movie right let's do it let's do it so josh hi out of let's see seven shards of glass in your potato leek soup Mm. how many shards of glass out of seven do you give this movie the seven out of seven it is a perfect movie i am shocked to my core that our girl who plays amelia we all know her name, Essie Davis. The Australian Kirsten Dunst. Why isn't she in a ton of stuff? I don't know. She was giving off some serious sissy SpaceX vibes in this movie as well, which I loved. Yes. She had that like innocent, soft, loving, just kind of breathless vibe to her. So when she does go crazy, it's just that much more powerful. Um, since you asked, I agree with you. I agree. It's a seven. Um, yeah. I don't know. I have to look back. I'm actually going through our, our episodes and compiling our ratings for the website. So if you're ever curious about what we rated something, I'm slowly but surely updating that on our website. Um, and I'll have to see what we have actually given uh, like a perfect score to. Yeah, Because we are... I think not part of the subculture that Jennifer Kent talks about in that interview where we're saying, okay, scare me. You know, I think we are. By the way, you did. You did scare me. You did. Uh You did in a beautiful way. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about these kids? Yeah. Especially Samuel. Okay. All right. How many cricket balls out of five cricket balls do you give Samuel and the gang also known as Ruby 
Uh, five out of five. Samuel is so wonderful. Actor's name is Noah Wiseman. He has not been in anything since this, but I'm sure if he chooses to act, he will do well. He was so good, so present, so realistic, and so, um, yeah, ha- captured like the innocence. And I don't know how you do that. I really don't. I don't know how you do that. So good for you. Agreed. How many cricket balls do you give, Noah? Five. <laughs> Straight into the wicket. <laughs> I don't really know if that's a bullet, but. Yeah. Even his little seizure that he has. Ugh. Oh, amazing. I mean, My truly God. like a great part of it. He was, he was an excellent actor. He just really nailed every bit of this. Both of them. Just they have a ton of range throughout it. They have to play kind of both sides. She, Essie Davis, does this great. She has her moments of rage. She must be a stage actor. The only thing I saw on her IMDb that I knew her from, she's in Game of Thrones. Who is she in Game of Thrones? She is a, she's part of the acting troupe that is, they're doing the reenactment of, uh, spoiler alert, Oh, of, of King Joffrey's jo- of Yes, exactly. Oh, and she plays Cersei Lannister huh. in that acting troupe. That's who she is in Game of Thrones. But like, I, I'm sure she has a stage background. It is Anyway, it was one of those things. Like she had that her kind of like meek and frazzled, frayed, huh. depressed self. And then those like moments of pure rage. I thought she was, did both of them very compellingly and honestly. And he is same thing with him all over the place like yeah i loved it yes that was a joy to watch and rewatch and have it was comforting it was comforting to see somebody like really pay attention to the struggles of parenting it was great mm-hmm. um can you do a sequel pitch what would your sequel to this movie be like you're hired to di- to write and direct babadook 2 and it's like a real monkey's paw situation <laughs> obviously you have to do it jennifer kent's angry about it but you oh, wow. have the rights wow you can do anything you want my goodness and studios really breathing down your neck they want to hit oh my god yeah i mean you have to save regal theaters wow regal cinemas and amc oh my gosh the house that the babadook built what per, what what studio is making the sequel? Oh, oh, great question. You can you get to choose. You bought the rights. <laughs> wow. You got them on Australian eBay. Oh my and God. eBay. 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 <laughs> it's an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Well. I guess you could do, gosh, um, I guess you could do the plot line of Samuel's all grown up now and the book comes back and he's dealing with his own thing, sort of like Mary Poppins too, you know, Mm. kind of like his own journey through it. Um. That's not really getting much of a reaction here. Um, or the 
yeah um i did say that i didn't want there to be a sequel um but or it could just be i guess you could do a kind of a sooner sequel we gotta really act act fast though because noah wiseman's growing up but basically, you know, they do think it's gone or at least can can live in the basement. She gets remarried. She has another kid. And it's sort of like just intensifying everything. Mm. Uh, oh, and at this point, he's, what, 13? He's in pu- going through puberty. Puberty. He can... Pubert. This is younger he, brother's His younger brother, Pubert. He's going... So Samuel Pubert is going to get... He's going through all his emotional shifts and everything yeah yeah i yeah and maybe um maybe there's a grandparent that comes into play and maybe the baba duke gets set loose on the city and destroys it is there another baba duke is there another monster Oh, for yeah. maybe another Mrs. Babadook, my, my Bride of Babadook. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna write Bride of ba- I mean I'm the movie I'm writing right now is akin to Bride Bride of Babadook, so It's true. Yeah. Not to give too much away. Um Yeah, so I guess I need to work on this. You have to. What about you? What are you gonna do? Well, I did say there may be another monster. I, I was thinking that, yeah, you would have maybe several books, but they're different. And maybe it's because mm. maybe each of them is dealing with a different type mm. of uh, trauma or illness. And mm. that they and so they're they kind of have different characteristics or you figure there is some kind of thing that like kind of triggers this mm. being into existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. There's just be more, more, more dukes. More but different. But um, most importantly, I would just say, like, don't be a creep. Get in touch. Our email is mummyxsteady at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxsteady. Instagram, mummyxsteadypod. You could leave us a voicemail if you really wanted to. 818-839-1991. Or visit us on the internet for show notes and ratings and more and more 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 mummyxdiddy.com if you like what you hear please leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen and hey tell a friend make them do the same our theme music is by kyle andrews our logo was designed by dara weinberg maggie spaulding is a cuppa with a good neighbor Bye. I'm wondering if you can tell me a story about a creature called a Babadook. Okay. You know what a Babadook is? What? Yeah, you tell us. Yeah. Okay, once upon a time, there was a Babadook, and you know what? The Babadook ran under his bed, and under the bed, there was two bats, and they became friends, and, and then they both slept under... They they both slept in in um free mo- in in more beds and you know what happened under their beds was a skeleton. Ah! <laughs>